Hello and welcome to Chats Over Chai. I am your host, Lisa Singh. First, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who have been the custodians of this land on which we meet today for thousands of years and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Well, today under the DFAT Canberra Fellowships Visit Program, I am joined by a group of India's leading female MPs who are here visiting Australia to deepen their understanding of inclusive governance and women's political empowerment. So joining me today is Agatha Sangma from Turu in Meghalaya, Hina Gavid from Nandurbar in Maharashtra, and Fawzia Khan also from Maharashtra. This visit aims to foster a deeper understanding of Australia's policy-making content around women's political participation and leadership from grassroots politics and local communities through to state and federal governments. So I'm, I'm very excited uh, to be joined in this conversation about inclusive politics and governance and the significance of women's participation in the political sphere with these three uh, leading in Indian female MPs. Welcome, Agatha, Hina and Fawzia. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you very much. Agatha, I might uh, start with you. I, I wanted to, to ask you, being the youngest uh, MP ever appointed as a union minister is quite an achievement. How did you navigate the responsibilities and the challenges that come with such a significant role at a young age? Thank you so much, Lisa, for having us here. And um, I have had, um, first of all, I would like to acknowledge, you know, what an amazing opportunity this has been for me. What an amazing learning experience it has been for me. And I've had the privilege of being a very young member of parliament, belonging to a tribal community in India, belonging to a Christian community in India, and also being a woman. And therefore, I take it as a very, uh, you know, as a very big responsibility because at the end of the day, I'm also representing these communities that I belong to uh, and the various identities that I carry. So um, I, I would say that it has been a, a very, very interesting experience. And um, along the way, I've, um, if I've managed to do anything uh, with my time and with the position that I've been given, it's also because of the great support system that I have, you know, be it my family, be it people who've supported and believed in me. So I think that none of it could be possible if it wasn't because of the team that I, uh, you know, I'm privileged to be a part of. Yeah, I understand that importance of, of yes. your support system when you're a young MP. Yes. I remember myself, I think I was 34 when I first got elected mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, I couldn't have done it either without support of my, my family. So um, it, very exciting to hear you in this, in this role that you are and representing your mm -hmm. local community um, in Megalia. Look, Hina, I want to ask you, uh, just like Agatha, you are also one of the youngest MPs in the Lok Sabha. Uh, your expertise in law and medicine is really quite an accomplishment that you bring to politics. Can you give us a bit of an example of where or how that previous career background uh, that, you've, that you carry and that you've had has helped shape sort of your your outcomes in terms of how you find yourself now in politics? Uh, so uh, I was born and brought up in the uh, town of Nandurbar, which is a district place now. 
and uh, it's a tribal district. So having uh, lived in the tribal district, I was well aware of the uh, health problems in that area. And I always dreamt of becoming a doctor so that, you know, I can serve my people, do something uh, for them in the health sector. But as uh, in my growing years, I realized when I used to do health camps in my constituency, uh, back then I was just studying, doing my medical studies, and I realized that there are issues which are much more larger than just the health problems. So uh, I decided to join politics because as a youngster, uh, youngsters never think of politics as a very lucrative profession. And that is probably the last on their list, given a choice. But I thought I should do something for my area. And uh, then I decided to join politics, became member of parliament. After becoming member of parliament, I also thought that uh, doing law would really uh, help me in becoming a good politician who can uh, contribute in a much larger uh, aspect to uh, the work that I'm doing. And uh, so that is how my medical background as well as my law uh, background today is helping me uh, serve my people in a much better way. Yeah, incredible. And I think, you know, you've done so much, but so relevant to where you find yourself. And uh, I can completely understand that connection in terms of being a, a policymaker, a lawmaker, having that background of law also being very helpful. But incredible accomplishments and um, congratulations on all you've achieved Thank you. so far. Fawzia, I, I want to ask you, because given your background as the first Muslim woman minister in Maharashtra, how do you see your role today in inspiring and representing the aspirations of Muslim women in politics? I think a lot of Muslim women aspire to come into politics and this is evident from the participation of Muslim women in the local self-government, where we have reservation for women, 50% reservation for women in India, particularly in some states, and Maharashtra is one of them. So there we see that at the municipal level, a lot of Muslim women aspire and come forward to do that. And yes, I find myself... Uh, you know, a kind of motivation for the Muslim women to come forward. I'm so glad that that this uh, trip that we are making to Australia deals with inclusive government governance. And I think not only as a woman, but also as a Muslim or my colleagues who are uh, coming from backgrounds that are tribal uh, communities, where you here first acknowledged the ones who uh, reside here for years. So in the same way, I think uh, in a very, very inclusive uh, group, we have come here for inclusive governance to study that. And when we came here, we realized that uh, the first thing we met was a woman from an Aboriginal uh, community. And the insight that we got is that yes, uh, these problems of inclusiveness exist everywhere and uh, we need to deal with them. So all of us are facing it at our own levels at every um, sector in life. And we all need to come together to really do something about inclusiveness in this world. Absolutely. And I think it's incredible, Fawzia, what you say about 
the similarities between our two countries. I mean, of course, as two countries, we are very different um, culturally. And, you know, we do obviously have a, a shared history of colonialism, though. Um, but what you say about the issues of women in politics, I find quite interesting because, uh, yes, there are a lot of similarities there. How has it been since you have been here in Australia? I mean, I know you've been to Sydney, you've been to Canberra, now we're here in Melbourne, and I think you're off to Adelaide as well. So you're getting a really good uh, uh, exposure in terms of differences of states. You yourselves are from different states. Obviously, the northeast of India, very different from the west of India, and India itself is just so incredibly diverse as a country of different cultures within a culture and so on. So how have you found your time here in Australia in terms of the, the program, but also your interactions? Obviously, Fawzia, you've just shared about some interactions with our First Nations people. So Agatha, can I ask you how you found Australia? Um, so this is not my first trip as well to Australia, but yes, on in the, uh, you know, uh, at an official level, this is the first time I'm coming to Australia. So therefore, I got to, uh, you know, interact with people at a different level. And uh, I, I was, uh, I was very um, impressed with the kind of women we've interacted with this time, because uh, I got to see that it's not just about participation of women in politics, but the empowerment or the economic empowerment or the social empowerment of women that we are seeing today. You know, there we went to um, Sydney and we got to meet a lot of women who are in the startup industry, you know, who are getting economically empowered. So I think uh, when you're talking about political empowerment, that should just be a catalyst to eventually, you know, socially and economically empower women. And that is what we are seeing in Australia. And it's a very, very good example because uh, in India, we are still working towards economically empowering women. And I think there's a lot of guidance that Australia can do in terms of how uh, you're going about encouraging women to go into startups and create their or become entrepreneurs. In India, we have many programs that are encouraging women in terms of entrepreneurship. We have what is called the PMEGP, which is Pradhan Mantri Employment Guarantee Scheme. So it kind of encourages people to have startups or create small businesses of their own. But there's no system of an incubator where, you know, you can actually encourage people or you can actually guide them into how to go about these startups. So I think those are um, some certain areas where we could work together in and help uh, women become more, um, say, uh, you know, equipped to actually become entrepreneurs. I think that's a very, very, uh, you know, striking thing that I noticed here. Um, I would also like to say that, um, you know, in India, uh, we talk about tribals, we talk about Christians, and we talk about the Muslim communities or uh, different religious minorities. Well, uh, whenever you walk in the streets in India, one thing that struck me was that when you walk in the streets of India, you see different faces, you know, you see people who look very different from each other, living a common life. Uh, but, you know, I noticed one thing, and I hope you don't take offense in this, but I did notice one thing that we do acknowledge uh, the indigenous people in Australia, but it struck me that I often don't see them, um, you know, sort of um, part of the communities here. So I just want to know whether in Australia, how is it that we are trying to incorporate different communities to come and live together? 
Look so, at that. I think it's it's an interesting observation yes. and, and also to hear your experience about the startup sector, yes. um, economic empowerment. Mm. We are going through a really important phase for our country right now in mm. Australia. And in fact, in one week's time, less than one week's time, we will have uh, a vote as a whole nation, which is it will be a referendum which will actually address um, our First Nations people, their Indigenous representation uh, in our constitution, but also a voice to advise and and support uh, our parliamentary and governance processes in Mm -hmm. Australia. So uh, we're on a journey of reconciliation in this country and it's it's really great that you've recognised that in your time here as well. Thank you, Agatha. Hina, what about you? Have you seen any sort of policy... Uh, nuances or, or activities or anything to do with women's empowerment or uh, economic participation for women here in Australia that that is is new or relevant to to anything that you've seen in your local community or more broadly in India. So, uh, like how Agatha mentioned in uh, India. In the political sector, because we have reservation in the local bodies, we see a lot of uh, women's participation in the local bodies. But uh, when it comes to startups or when it comes to uh, becoming entrepreneurs, uh, we are still lagging behind in India. That is what I saw. Uh, But here in Australia, there are so many uh, different platforms available for women. Now, uh, during our visit to the startup hub in uh, Sydney, we noticed that there were many women who uh, did a short-term course and today they are earning themselves, they are having their own startups and in different different sectors. Uh, like uh, we saw one who uh, kind of bought the wholesale stuff and uh, started the retail. So these are small, small things which I think we can do in India also. We just need to give them a little push. Government of India has come up with different schemes, different incentives, different loan schemes for uh, women. And we are seeing many women coming uh, front and doing something on their own. But I feel uh, where the technical support is needed, there I think we are a little, uh, uh, you know, behind. And uh, that technical support can be provided to them by setting up incubation centers, incubation hubs and uh, through that, we can really support these uh, women. And, uh, you know, one good part uh, that uh, I take a pride in saying that in India, we have lots of handicrafts. And traditionally, for uh, decades uh, ago, you know, women used to start doing weaving work, some nice artwork in their households. And uh, I think those kind of arts can be encouraged at a much larger scale and uh, can be provided a larger market. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, the the textiles of India are just so exquisite and beautiful. And I have to say, Hina, your outfit today is an example of that. It looks very beautiful. Thank you. Um, Forza, you did first mention this issue of reservation. And I think we should talk a little bit about that. I mean, we've all just shared about the, you know, the sorts of reservation uh, that exists at the local level, uh, at different levels of government. But more recently, we've just had the introduction of the Women's Reservation Bill in in the uh, central government, in in Parliament. Forza, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on, you know, whether you see this positively. Is it a policy that will really empower women and 
increase their influence in decision making? Certainly. I believe that reservation can be a great uh, revolutionary process. And this we have seen at our local self-government level. Because what we have observed is that while men tend to speak more about infrastructure, women tend to speak more about social issues, health issues, education issues. And as far as women are concerned, I think what we need is wholesome development. Just not the political, not just the economic, but also the social and the educational development of women is absolutely necessary. And unless we have women in policy making, we will not be looking at these issues as folk in a focused way as it is needed. So I think the reservation for women in parliament and in our state assemblies is absolutely necessary. I think we have taken a step forward. We have passed a bill giving 33% reservation to women in parliament and state assemblies, but it will actually come into implementation in some time. I don't know whether it'll take us five years or 10 years because we have to go through a process of the census and after that delimitation of our constituencies. So when these delimitation of constituencies is done, only then there'll be increased constituencies for the women because no man would like to give his own constituency to a woman. This is the social mindset that we have to counter everywhere in the world. It's not just in India, but uh, unless we do something that way. So uh, we still have a long wait, but uh, I think finally we have moved a step forward and definitely this would lead to uh, better outcomes in the future for women as a whole. Wonderful. Yes. And I mean, I think I look forward to the future where both, as both countries, we have a situation where our parliaments are truly reflective of the population, which of course is 50% men and women. So let's let's aim for that. So finally, I would just ask, like to ask all of you very briefly, what advice do you have for young uh, female aspiring uh, uh, women who want to enter politics and make that impact in policy making. First, first to you, Agatha. Um, like I said, you know, being in politics can be very challenging, or in fact, any profession can be very challenging. So I think it's very important to have a good um, a time management, uh, you know, a schedule for yourself. And in the whole process, I think it's very important to take care of your yourself. We forget, you know, often that. Uh, it's about us sometimes because we get so involved in, you know, carrying out our duties, etc. So keeping ourselves healthy, keeping ourselves, um, you know, um, ment you know, the mental well-being of a person is also very important. So I think um, I would just say that a lot of women tend to um, get into their work to an extent that they stop taking care of themselves. So I would just say that it's very important in the process to take care of yourself. Wonderful. Hina? Uh, so uh, one uh, suggestion I have uh, for the uh, young women is that they should not think because they are women, they cannot join politics or they cannot do well. Because today we have uh, so many, uh, you know, women representatives who are doing wonderful. And therefore, the women sh who are very keen on joining politics, they must chase their dreams. And... Um, 
I don't think there has to be any difference. Oh, I'm a female. I can't do this. And uh, they should uh, never think that they are something less than others. So that is what I feel. Mm. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, I feel uh, in order to be in politics, whether you are a man or a woman, there are certain things which are very important. And one is that, as uh, Gatha mentioned, you manage your time well, you are well informed, Mm -hmm. and you are ready to work hard. Because it involves a lot of traveling, it involves a lot of hard work. Although the perception is that politicians have nothing to do, but it is the other way around. We need to be geared up for really hard work. And unless we involve ourselves into being empathetic with the people's problems, I don't think we will uh, succeed as politicians because that is what is needed. We need to be um, understanding the pain, the agonies and the aspirations of people. So that is a very important aspect of uh, growing into a politician, I feel. Absolutely. I mean, hard work, empathy, commitment, um, intelligence. Uh, I'm sitting here with a group of women that have all of that and are very inspiring. And it was wonderful to hear and learn from you today as well about your experiences but also your ongoing roles as members of parliament in India. Thank you so much for this conversation, for visiting us here in Australia and enriching us in terms of your experiences and what we can both learn from each other as two nations. So I do believe also that inclusive governance is very crucial in strengthening the relationship between Australia and India. Both countries can certainly learn from that to get more women involved in politics at both state and federal levels. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to Chats Over Chai. Stay up to date with the Institute by subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lisa Singh signing off from Melbourne until our next episode.